got what appears to be a dynamite sound. I am a blessed man of God, and the Lord has blessed me to do the things that I do. And so nothing just happens in my life. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Red Herring Podcast. This is episode five, I believe. Wow, it's, I got a whole little gallery going on now. I'm joined today with a childhood friend. He's my oldest friend. Been friends with him since, I don't know, maybe I was five years old, somewhere around there. It's been like, what, 20-something years? Yeah, it's been, been 20 years, it's been, a, it's been a long time, man. Um, just go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. So my name is Robert, Robert Thomas III. Um, uh, you can find me on Instagram at RJT underscore Roman numeral three. That's RJT underscore I I I the same as for Twitter handle um, I'm a father I'm a husband I'm, I'm a nurse and aspiring uh, medical student and uh, also work in the ministry uh, particularly the youth ministry and uh, I mean I'm just a man of God just trying to spread the love of God everywhere I go and I appreciate you being here with me doing this man so um, so today's topic is one that's right up your alley this is specifically why I brought you onto this uh, podcast today yeah. Um, for those uh, who've been listening, for you, you know, um, I'm a big blacktivist. Um, I support everything that's black, everything black, you know, um, black movement, Black Lives Matter, of course. Um, but here lately, we've been seeing a lot of, you know, riots, a lot of protests. And I've seen the absence of black ministries uh, during this time. Yep. And it's been kind of frustrating because um, for someone like me, you know, I, I was in ministry for 10 plus years. You know, I served ministry. Um, I used to preach the gospel. I run sound. I, you know, I've done all these things. And, you know, you've worked ministry as well. Exactly. And um, so seeing ministry basically take a step back during one of the biggest black I don't know, movements we've had ever, I think, since the civil rights. I mean, I, I honestly think the Black Lives Matter movement may rival even the civil rights movement as far as scale, because when you look at television, I mean, it's the Black Lives Matter is all on Amazon Prime now. It's yeah. on YouTube. It's huge, you know, man. you pull it everywhere. It's everywhere. You're, I mean, seeing, you're seeing solidarity, man. Exactly. But it's global. <laughs> yeah. And it's it, that's what's got me like so like like amazed and you know disappointed at the same time because it's like you have people in france germany belgium south america australia all these people are protesting black lives matter but i'm not seeing locally and even you know all throughout the nation i'm not seeing black ministries step up to the to the plate um specifically why i talk about them is because like in the 60s um like i mean you have discussed already that in the 60s the cornerstone of the black community was either the black church or the black gangs. You know, you had the Black Facts. Panther movements, you had all of these gangs, because the gangs back then weren't the same thing that they are now. The gangs were there to reduce uh, police brutality. It was there to keep everyone peaceful. It was there to protect the black community. They were. And yeah. that's exactly the same the same exact function that the black church had. You know, you had you had ministry, you had church, but it was supposed to be like a, a hostel for people to go to and to be literally the cornerstone of the black community. Yeah. So my question to you is what's changed in the last 50, almost 60 years that the black church has almost taken a step back in the black community? What, in your opinion, what has changed from that? We, we took our focus off of outreach um, and, and we allowed the, the enemy to get too big of a, a foothold in our communities um, somewhere along the line. And I can't say exactly when. And, and I really believe it was before our time, somewhere along the line. <clears throat> and. Um, we just got away from from the values. We got away from you know really outreach and and, and, and preaching and teaching God's word and 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 some might have even stopped believing. You know once they got you know some while we were oppressed. I remember I was talking to uh, I was talking to my pastor um, um, before he before he passed, which he he passed about three weeks ago now. But, Sorry um, to hear that. Didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a it, it was a heavy blow, but um you know we're we're working through it. Um, but one of the things that he said is that he 
he was talking about Dr. King and he said, you know, um, he said, you know, he, he had, he was like, you know, he had a dream, but it seems like his dream hasn't come true because we're still being killed in the streets. Right. And he says, you know, it seems that almost if, um, I was talking with him, he said, it seems that it's almost as if we were better when we were under that, you know, heavier oppression because it kept us before God and, you know, we kept doing more for our, you know, communities. Now that, that's my own word, you know, right. doing more for, for ourselves, but it seems that, you know, once we got the foot, you know, uh, taken off of our necks just a little bit mm-hmm. and, and some of us started to live better, they felt that, oh, well, you know, it wasn't really the church. It was more so my finances that I needed to get right. You know, it was me getting better opportunities. And, you know, and, and one of the things that I also see is that we have so many people that um, with, you know, Christian or not, uh, I'll say, you know, so many people that are Christian that have gotten involved into syncretism thinking that that's going to save them you know i'm going to use jesus but i'm also going to use you know sage i'm also going to use you know um santa maria you know for you know our 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 hispanic um christian brothers and sisters so i think that through through that you know people have really gotten away from the gospel which changes lives and when lives are changed you can can change you can change communities now let me ask you this though so let's say this from a financial aspect Mm-hmm. Pastors now, and I'm not against pastors making money. Not yeah. against that at all. Sure, I believe sure. a, a man of God should be compensated for you know the word of God. You yes. know, but it shouldn't you know cripple your church. Exactly. Yeah. But do you think that plays an aspect in today's society where in the '60s you know pastors didn't have to really worry too much about the money aspect? Mm-hmm. Now to see a pastor, because I don't see any pastors out leading a charge now. I don't see any black pastors in the streets protesting. Mm-hmm. Do you think it has something to do with their image? They don't want to tarnish the image with also the white community because they don't want to affect maybe ties and money coming into their you know their their church because there are some you know, yeah. there are some white people who still go to black churches or yeah. even still just sow seeds to black churches mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure like if you see you know Susie doolittle down the street who is mm-hmm. a big you know maga supporter yep. you know she just pays you know a couple hundred dollars a month to this church because you know she knows the pastor now if she turns on the news and sees you know the pastor you know such and such johnson yeah. protesting on the streets Maybe she will no longer sow into that ministry. So do you think that might play a part in this or do you think that's an irrelevant factor? That can play a part in, into a lot of things um, and, and not to get too far off subject, but that can play a part in even, you know, how the, the preacher will deliver the message. He may, oh, that's true. He may, you know, um, water down the message so that it doesn't hit too many people. That way he can keep um, uh, dollars coming through the door. That's true. But, you know, I was talking with um, even uh, uh, I was talking with the man of God and one of the things that he was saying is that he hates that everything now at, at his churches, you know, it seems to be becoming about a dollar. Mm-hmm. So that it, it, it does play a factor. Right. Um, but however, what I will say is that you do have you do have some preachers and, and, and I know some ministers who, who, who do more apologetic preaching, gotcha. uh, you know, reaching yeah. in, you know, reaching out to people, you know, that may be from other religions, you know, whether it's Mormons or Jehovah's Witness. Um, Preston Perry is one mm-hmm. of the guys that. Um, that's been speaking out about it. And um, one of my, the pastors that I like to listen to is uh, Dr. Eric Mason, who's up, um, he actually wrote a book called Woke Church, which talks about how, you know, the the history of racism in America and how we as as, as people of God and, and, and those who believe in the gospel should work to change that and how the gospel changes people's lives and how the gospel can change even America. He has been leading the charge. And one of the things I was looking on Twitter, uh, maybe last week or, or, or right around, I'll, I'll say maybe about the next day after George Floyd, uh, after he was killed, he was saying that, you know, we need to pay attention because he's over a church, uh, Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, and they have several campuses uh, throughout throughout the nation. 
But um, he said, you know, you need to pay attention to, you know, the Christian leaders and pastors and artists who are silent at this time, mm-hmm. because this is a time where everyone needs to speak up. Right. Because we as the church, we're supposed to be we're supposed to be um, the light of the world. Right. So therefore, um, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But but so I see that he's leading the charge. Right. And I think it's even to the point now where he's he's getting off of um, social media and taking a sabbatical. But he has. um with his sabbatical, I know that he's going to be in Philly, you know, reaching out to people, protesting and, 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 and showing people that, look, the gospel came to change lives, even in this way. Right. Now, see, you say that, you know, the you know Christians and, of course, the believers are supposed to be the light of the world. Yeah. Now, again, it's a pretty dark time. You yeah. know, it's I, I, you know, I'm only 26, about to be 27 years old. And yeah. I don't remember things being this globally chaotic. You know, not only do you have. You know, an idiot in the White House who I say that freely. Yeah. Um, you have a pandemic that's, you know, striking and still going on. Like this thing hasn't like stopped. It's still for those who have like took their focus off of it. Yeah. COVID-19 is still killing people day by day. Oh, Hundreds yeah. are still dying. Um, and on top of that, now you have, you know, the biggest virus of them all, which is racism going yeah. around and just basically just still attacking and still killing people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still it's still infecting the, the system, still infecting society. But at this time, you know, like I say, you're supposed to be the light of the world, but I'm not seeing much light given from ministry. It's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, you do have people, you know, that like the Joel Osteens who, you know, I don't know where you stand on this matter with Osteen, but my personal opinion, I don't respect the man. Um, yeah. so some of the things he's done, um, example, shutting down his ministry in a time of crisis, whenever the the floods happened um, yeah. in the city where people didn't have nowhere to go. But instead of opening his ministry up, mm-hmm. it was shutting it down. And there are pastors and ministers and preachers who would defend him. But yeah. me as a, a free thinker and someone who sees things from a different perspective, yeah. if I had a ministry that, you know, is huge, holds thousands of people and a catastrophe comes to my city, yeah. you know, it's almost as like the days of like, what if Noah had built this ark and yeah. then everybody wanted to come with Noah, but oh, Noah was like, oh no, I, I built this ark and you can't <laughs> come. Like, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. is, that's the opposite of what God would have wanted. Yeah. And I feel like when you have this, these money, this money and these platforms, Mm-hmm. These are the opportunities and the times for you to really let the glory of God shine. Yeah. Because it's not about you. It's not about Osteen. It's not about T.D. Jakes. It's not about the pastors themselves getting glory. But think about this. If I was a pastor of a church, a predominantly black ministry in yeah. a predominantly black city, and this whole movement was coming on right now, this is the opportune time to win souls. Not just black souls, but also white souls, Spanish souls. This is the opportune time because it's a crisis. You can show the love of God and you can show the love of Christ. But be on the front lines practicing what you preach yeah. you know martin luther king people you know keep forgetting it wasn't just dr martin luther king he was reverend king yeah, reverend, you know yeah. he was in the streets preaching the gospel you know correcting what was wrong also he was doing his thing with the social uh, civil rights and the movement and you know he might not have been the most you know outstanding and uprighteous man of god because you know the yeah. fbi does have some dirt on dr king but yeah. at the end of the day i'm not looking for a perfect man of god anymore i've yeah. stopped that i've yeah. been behind the scenes i've been other ministries i've I've read the reports. I, I don't think there's a 100% perfect man of God anywhere in the world. Everybody yeah. can t- everybody can talk about, you know, oh, you're perfect through Christ. Every man has a flaw. Every man has a thorn in their side. Yeah. So whatever Dr. King did in the 60s, his good outweighs his bad to me. Yeah. So but having said that, he was a reverend. He was in the streets. He was leading the march. You know, yeah. he wasn't just tweeting or sending little columns in the newspaper. He was literally out, out there, the streets, you know, yeah. and I think we've lost that. I think we've gotten so comfortable. And like you said earlier, you know, outreach is an issue, mm-hmm. you know. 
if your church is not, if you see the same faces every week, you know, yeah. that's, that's an issue. It is definitely an issue. I heard T.D. Jakes say this once. Well, I used to go to T.D. Jakes' um, pastoral leadership conferences. Yeah. And this is probably about 2014, somewhere around there, yeah. where he's like, if you see the same faces, your outreach is failing. And he also said, if your church knows what you're going to say before you say it, it's time to sit down. Meaning like, okay. I have no new faces. I have no new bodies in ministry. Wow. I'm repeating the same messages over and over again, oh. meaning that we've all been here to hear this. Why oh. are we not going out and bringing people in? You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's that's a problem in ministry. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to have thousands of members, but there should be an outreach and a growth. You should be able to go out and bring someone in. And yeah. this in this time period, I'm seeing more people fall away from ministry and over over little things. And instead of us coming together on the like, I think I think the problem is we focus too much on the little things. Yep. And not the big picture. We focus on who's wearing what, what this person's hair looks like, what kind of cologne this person's wearing, you know, what, you know, their past, their deeds, you know, you know, what their vocabulary sounds like. We focus too much on that yep. and not focus on I love you. You know what I mean? Like yep. that's like the, the biggest problem. Like, you know, I'm a you know, of course I'm a Christian man. Mm-hmm. But I have, you know, I have, I have gay friends. I have people yeah. who are, you know, from the homosexual community, and I will never say nothing negative to them. You know yeah. what I mean? They know where I stand. I know where they stand. Yeah. I have friends that that do more drugs than pharmacists, and yeah. they know where I stand, <laughs> and I know where they stand. I'm never going to condemn them. Yeah. And I think when I was in ministry, when I used to preach, yeah. you know, it was like call sin out. You know, call whatever sin it is, call it out. Yeah. You know, and then you could say whatever you want, and then we can mask it up in Jesus loves you. But it's like it's how is the delivery? Do I make them? Feel feel loved you know and yeah. you know i'm not saying don't preach against certain sins i'm not saying that at all but yeah. like do the people feel the love that you are trying to advertise you yeah. know and in this situation in this time period you know we can love the racist we can love the protester we can love the rioter but like i would love to see the front the faces of ministry mm-hmm. out there like yeah. you know what i mean like you look at you know jesse J- or jesse jackson you look mm-hmm. at Ron sharpton these are people who represent you know god you mm-hmm. know i'm not saying they're perfect either but yeah. they represent god they represent represent Christ, they represent the black community, mm-hmm. but they're on the streets. They're doing these things. They're marching. And I don't think we have those anymore. I don't think, you know, we're in a small city. It's not a big city. It's not Atlanta. It's not Philly, you know, yeah. but it's a small city, but it's not too small. You know, there's a couple, you know, a couple hundred churches here, you know, yeah, alone. And yet I don't see anyone on the news leading this charge. And of course you don't have to be the, you know, on the news or whatever, but like word travels, you know what I mean? Like yes. if, if I'm pastor such and such of this ministry, mm-hmm. And I'm out in the streets. I'm not posting it. I'm out in these streets and I'm protesting because it's time to stop being silent. People will know. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if I'm if I'm trying to figure out what church I want to go to and I hear this pastor's out protesting and saying that black lives matter and is passionate about it because he as a black man has black children, has black brothers, has black sisters and is affected by this. I'm quick to want to listen to what this man says yeah. versus a pastor who may be black, who may look like me, but is staying in his house yeah. or, you know, not not tweeting about it, not writing Facebook posts about it. You know, I, I want to see black ministries care about black issues. You know, if I could interject. Yeah. One of the things that um, to touch on your point earlier where you were talking about the the, the outreach and and not just being, you know, a, a, a Twitter thumb warrior or, right. or, you know, just uh, writing a newspaper column. One of the things I look at, uh, if you look in the way that the gospel was delivered, mm-hmm. if you look at the Apostle Paul, one of the things he did is that um, that I was uh, I was looking at it. They t- talked about him, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, who were a husband and wife that worked with him and helped support Paul. Right. They had a lifestyle, even evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. So basically they went and uh, what they were is that they were all tent makers. 
So they went and dwelt and lived among the people. Uh, one of the things that you, you know, we look in Corinthians and Corinthians, the church at Corinth had some heinous stuff going on. Right. There's some heinous stuff going on, like to the point where Paul even had to say, you know, it's wrong for a man to have his his father's wife. Like, mm-hmm. bro, you're sleeping with your you're, you're sleeping with your stepmom. Right. I really got to call that out. <laughs> I really got to call that out. You so, should know better. <laughs> exactly. So. You look at them, what Paul said is that he did for the, the church of Corinth in the second letter in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. <laughs> so what he said is that you have, uh, he said how he labored with them. I believe it's in the, in the, in the seventh, eighth or ninth chapter. He said, you know, he labored with them and he said, I've even robbed other churches for you. And what he meant is that he didn't literally rob other churches, mm. but he had church, uh, the church in Macedonia that was supporting him, right. that he was taking uh, an, an offering from. He was taking it, you know, uh, he, he was getting, you know, they were financially supporting his ministry. And he said, look, you at this church in Corinth, you guys are like the Beverly Hills, <laughs> the Beverly Hills of this area. Like you guys are, this is a wealthy area. Right. I didn't take any money from you because I didn't want that. I didn't want you to receive that. Look, he's only here for our dollars. No, right. I'm here because I care about you guys. I love you guys, and I feel that if we do, if we have more people that are like that, more people that are that have that lifestyle evangelicalism, rather than just you know preach, preach, preach. Okay, but the, here's the thing, and this is true even of the gospel. People don't care to know until they know you care. So one okay. of the things that Jesus said, you know, um, he, he, he says that, you know, through loving kindness, have I drawn you and we have to we have to take that on. We have to, as as people of God, love people first. Right. Let people know that, you know, there is a better hope. Sometimes I was, I was listening to my dad in law. He, he, he's a preacher at our church. One of the things that he says is that, you know, people may never pick up a Bible and read, but the only Bible they'll read is you. Right. Jesus said that he'll write. The, the, the word, his word, he'll write it on the tables of our hearts. So with him writing that word on our heart, we should have a conduct, our part of our worship. You know, it's more than just, you know, singing a song. Part of our worship should be living a life that's pleasing unto God. And not only that, letting our light shine, calling men out of darkness because Christ is and is that light. And we can't hide our lights under a bushel. That's true. There yeah. are times, you know, where I can't even be, uh, uh, there are times where, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm to the point now, you know, I'm, I'm, you and I are pretty much the same age. You know, I'm only a few months older than you. I'm 27 years old. Mm-hmm. I was looking at a, I was looking at a documentary earlier with James Ball, when uh, I Am Not Your Negro. On Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's on Amazon I Prime. I just saved it to my watch yeah, list yeah, like yeah. 10 minutes ago. Like so minutes ago. I got, I got that and uh, I got Selma and Just Mercy. I still got to watch too. Yeah. But Dr. King was 26 years old. Out in these streets, bro. Right. Preaching the word and, 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 and leading protests. Non-violent protests. Right. I'm not going to speak on that right now <laughs> because I can't say that I would, I'm the type would sit there and be beat upon and be spit upon and be able to take it. You know, that's an incredible amount of patience. Right. Like, I honestly think that was God working through him to not be able to retaliate to these people. And what that did is that you had middle America, mm. white America, moderate white America that was looking at this and they're seeing like these people just, they're, they're wanting freedom. Right. They're mm-hmm. not, they're not, uh, uh, they're not radical about what they want. And, and, and these people, and that's what caused the, the, that's what evoked change that they're seeing that, you know, and that's what, that's why he practiced nonviolent, nonviolent protests. And uh, one of the things that, that um, James Baldwin was saying is that toward the end of their, at the beginning of their, uh, let's call it their, their, their protest, the beginning of their missions, Malcolm X and, and, and Dr. King were polar opposites. But he says, as they grew older, up until the, even the time of their deaths, <laughs> they became the same. Right. They became one. They had one, sing- they, they became single-mindedness where Dr. King was like, okay, 
it's not just integration. He, you know, he said right. he feared that he brought his people into a burning house. It's not about the integration. Right, right. It's about you guys giving us what we're owed, and that's biblical. Yeah. You know, it talks about when you have people that that are that are that are. Uh, uh, if you look in the Old Testament, even the New Testament, um, which we'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> even in the New Testament, it talks about how you have Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. He was a tax collector. Right. And Jesus said, you know, you know, when he saw him in the tree, you know, Zacchaeus was a short guy. So short guy. he had. I'm pretty sure he had I relate, a little man. I relate. Yeah. <laughs> he had. A, he had. I mean, <laughs> but. He was up in the tree when Jesus was teaching, and he said, Zacchaeus, you know, uh, King James Version says, make haste, because this night I need to abide at your house. Meaning, like, look, you need to come down quickly, because, right. man, you got business to handle. I'm going to be in your house. And he spoke with Zacchaeus. He changed Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. Sitting there, just like when you and I talking right here, he changed him, and he changed his heart. What did Zacchaeus go back and do? Everybody who he robbed, he restored uh, uh Forgive me if I'm wrong. Some say it says some, you know, sevenfold, tenfold, fivefold. He restored, not just paid back what 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 he stole from them, right. but put interest on it. Yeah. That is what that is how the gospel changes people. It changes yeah. people's hearts, and we need to. Uh, 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 we have to get back to that. It can't just be health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. You can't tell health, wealth, and prosperity over uh, uh, to someone who's has uh, their their. Their, their 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 neck under the foot of white supremacy. Right. Wow. How are we going to have that? You know, there are, there are policies. There are still policies. There at least there were, but there there still are policies that keep us from prospering the way we actually could. That's true. And it's that's the true. gospel that's going to change heart. You know, righteousness exalts a nation. You can't legislate your way out of it because if people are righteous and you change hearts, then you change legislation. But you can't let change legislation and change hearts. Otherwise, we would have stopped being lynched years ago when the 13th Amendment came about. That's true. Now, let me ask you this. So, you know, you're I think now it's funny how where we are in, in ministry yeah. wise, because like years ago, I'm not saying like I was like more passionate about ministry, but it's like yeah. I had that fire. Like I no longer have that. Like I told you, I, yeah. ministry has worn me down. Yeah. But you still have like that fire and that gunction, which is which is awesome to see. I'm very proud. I'm very happy for it. I love it. So sure. yeah. my, my thing is like I'm I'm not one of those like black people that feel like, oh, well, you know, Christianity is a white man's religion. I'm, I'm not. That's not me, you know, because it, it does preach freedom. It does preach, you know, basically like rebellion against, you know, those who are like, you know, forced over you. Like it, it talks about that. You yeah. know, it, it does preach liberation. So I don't believe slave masters and slave owners no. would teach a gospel and a, a, a religion that is preaching freedom and preaching liberation. I, I don't I don't believe that. I do believe the gospel is the gospel. I do believe it is the word of God. Yeah. Um, however. Do you think in this society and in, in, in this in this time period, do you think people are as eager to listen to the gospel anymore? Um, I mean, when you look at how people have perverted the gospel, where they've taken the gospel and used it as a weapon, mm-hmm. do you think people now are as eager to listen and to accept the teachings of the gospel? No. And here's why. Even the Bible, um, even the Bible talked about it. If you look in, uh, I believe it's in uh First uh, Timothy, and forgive me if I'm quoting wrong, but go back and verify. My listeners but, uh, <laughs> aren't going to know the truth. They're, they're not quoting scriptures. I got you. But um, it talks about how there will be a great, um, you know, that Jesus wouldn't come back before uh, there will be a great falling away. Meaning that mm-hmm. when he comes back, there's already going to be people who fall away from the gospel. Gotcha. Depending on whatever, for whatever reason, you know, some people feel that, you know, the gospel doesn't speak to the issues in my community. So, you know, I'm going to find another way, you know, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to do the sage and I'll get the evil spirits away. Which, well, let, you know, let me ask you on that. Yeah, do you yeah. think why there was, do you think that is why there was such a big conversions to the Muslim belief and the black Muslim society? Because that 
basically it, it appealed more to the anger and the hurt in the black yeah. community than yeah. Christianity did. Because I want to ask you this particular question because yeah. it's something that, again, you're passionate about and it infuriates me, but for another reason. Yeah. So a couple years ago, um, um, the, the, I forgot his name, uh, forgive me, the man that was shot and killed in his... Um, his, his apartment complex by the, the the female officer Botham Jean Botham Jean I knew yeah. it was Jean I couldn't remember his first name forgive yeah. me for that so his you know brother his family forgave forgave the woman the judge hugged her and all this and yeah. it became an issue where you know I think I said on one of the other episodes where it looks like religion has become like a crutch for the black community where we're expected to be treated any kind of way but if you're a black Christian you have to forgive those people who have you know done you wrong and done you dirty you know God forbid if someone kills my brother you know I'm not going to be quick to forgive them you know what I mean and they're like oh that's your Christian duty you know no disrespect to the Christian duty but forget that you know what I mean at the end of the day because it's like you know God was also a God of wrath at the same time that he was a God of peace you know Jesus turned up in the temple and flipped tables yeah. you know and you know, caused a scene, you know, and but we're taught and we're expected to preach, you know, be calm, be polite, be peaceful, you know, be forgiving. But at the same time, the white people who treat black people like crap aren't being held to that same standard. Yeah. So my question to you is, are we supposed to be using for are, are we are we being given forgiveness as a crutch? Because if, if am I wrong if someone murders my family yeah. and I refuse to forgive them? Maybe I mean I understand I eventually have to forgive them, but yeah. in that moment I don't want to forgive them. I want to be angry. And who or who is anyone to tell me I can't be angry in that moment? And I don't feel I don't feel that you are wrong. You know, one of the things about that I love about about Jesus is that it says that you know he was in all points tempted like we all are you know he faced some of the same things he attempted you know to feel the same way we did we, we we do but it was without sin even the bible says you know be angry and sin not he right. said you know don't let the sun go down upon your wrath now what i'll say about that <clears throat> to to expound on that is that god doesn't want us to be so angry that okay you killed you know let's say someone came at jay someone took jay's life mm-hmm. You came at Jay, okay, I'm strapping up, I'm coming to get you and your whole family. Right. That's what God doesn't want. But he understands, you know, uh, one of the things that the word says is cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. So God understands how we feel. Right. Because that's a, that's a, that's a, um, that hurt, uh, it, 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 he, he, he gets that. One of the things about that, I, that the word says, it says that there's one God and one mediator, mediator excuse me, between uh, man and God, right. the man, Jesus Christ. So that's why he came in the form of a flesh. And I think that I never thought about it that way. But how how I feel is that, you know, Christ came so that people would have no, uh, in a sense, no excuse seeing that, you know, we have a person who was fully God and who was fully man, someone who came, who was able to experience our emotions and live with us, you know, right. uh, uh, ate with people, you know, uh, uh, um, um, you know, slept beside someone, you know, felt pain felt emotion that's one of the beautiful things i love about the gospels is that it talks about the emotions that jesus had you know it talked about you know him being angry right said you know how he said you know this is supposed to be you know a house of prayer and you've turned into a den of thieves and he right. flipped, you know he's flipping over. the tables over so uh him being you know uh uh sad when he lost a, a friend of his you know uh lazarus you know right. you know how he 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 wept so and he had empathy to understand yes you know their pain seeing that because before you even go on that yeah, like yeah. the reason i say that it's, it's so powerful because like if you look in the old testament when god was upset what was his when he was mad his answer was death you know basically like 
you know, we're wiping it out. Like when even like even with Moses, when he was like, you know, basically I'm paraphrasing, I can just wipe them all out. And Moses made God repent. Like yeah. he was like, you know, it, it, I can't remember the, the exact scripture, but mm-hmm. you know, Moses told God, like, you know, God, you shouldn't basically don't wipe these people out, yada yada yada. And then God repented. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the ark. You know, God was like fed up with you know creation. And what mm-hmm. am I going to do? I'm just destroying everything and starting over. Yeah. You know, there's anger, but there's no temperament. You know what I mean? Like I'm God. Like who's going to check me? Yeah. But when it comes to Christ, it's anger. But I'm grace like, and truth. but it's yeah. grace and truth. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not going to like wipe everything out, you know, because I'm also man at the same time. Like I understand their pain and their struggle with being man and mm-hmm. being human because yeah. I'm here now. You know, before it was like, okay, factory reset, control, alt, delete. Yeah. Now it's like, wait, <laughs> let me let me give it some time. I can be angry, but I'm not going to wipe everything out. Yeah. It's, it's a difference. But I just it's, I just always found and, that interesting. And, and, and the thing about that, what I'll say is that God is always um, it, the thing about the word. Is that it says God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Mm-hmm. One of the things that David said is that you know God won't always um he, he won't always chide with us, meaning that he won't always have his anger won't always continually be at us. He said you know his anger is only kindled for a little bit of time. And one of the things that he does is that if you look at the children of Israel, they sinned over and over and over again, and God kept sending the word like, look, he says you know I'm gonna kill you. Mm-hmm. Look, if you keep doing this, I'm gonna kill you. But if you turn, right. I won't kill you. So it's kind of, I always think about it, you know, my mom, she would always give me chances and um, she was like, look, you know, mom and dad, but mom whooped my tail more than my dad did. So I'm going to talk about mom. <laughs> he said, uh, she, uh, she said that, you know, I'm going to give you a chance, but if you keep crossing the line, right. eventually, you know, first, here's the thing. First comes the warning, mm-hmm. then comes the judgment. And there were years where the, the, the children of Israel had, had warning. You know, there were years where, you know, they they, they, they had warning and then, then came the judgment. Okay. And then the thing is, is that the prophets were all, uh, they call them antitypes or types of Christ, meaning that they were, you know, a, a, a glimpse of what Christ would be. The preview of what to come. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. They were a preview. And um, a lot of us like the previews. You know, we look at different. They look good. Yeah, they, they look, look good. They look good. Man. The Justice League preview looked really good. <laughs> and when I saw that movie. Hey, look! I, I like was not pleased. Avengers, <laughs> Avengers: uh, Infinity War had one of the best uh, previews, and um, oh, to this and, day, and, and and it's still to me, Infinity War is the best movie. Endgame had the best ending. Yeah, but Infinity I War. I watched was the, the Infinity best War trailer. Yeah. Like, I'm not <laughs> afraid to admit it. I watched the trailer like once a month. Like when Man. I miss that like feel. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's my high. Like going yeah. and watching Marvel trailers. So sure, sorry to sure. get like sidetracked. Oh no, no no no! But no, that that's 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 what it is. And and and, and back back to what we were talking about. You know, with with you know. God, uh, you know, you feel like God, you know, doesn't, wouldn't be able to feel how you feel without Christ. And that's why he, he gave us Christ. That's part, part of the reason, you know, I don't want to, you know, misconstrue it, but that's part of the reason right. why he gave us Christ to, for us to see that there was someone who came in the flesh and did this. And because he did this, now we can have the power of God living on the inside of us. Not, you know, it, it, it can be intrinsically a part of us, not extrinsically, you know? Gotcha. And, and so with that, God is able to, at, at, at a time like this, you know, I, I feel it's really important for us to stand up, to stand up. And, and now stand us as the black community us, or us as the black church, us, us as the black church. Um, I was listening to, uh, I was looking at the, the, the documentary earlier today and James Baldwin, he said, you know, it's, it's speaking about forgiveness, just mm-hmm. like you touched on that. Uh, he said the thing with the, with the black church and, and, and the white church, he said, you know, you have black Christians that they always want us to be eager to forgive those who are beating us, who are killing us, who are mm-hmm. lynching us. But where is your where, where's your conviction when that same that 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 same Christian view that you should have where you don't love your neighbor as yourself? Mm. So where is that? 
So it goes both ways. Right. And that's the see, that's the deceit of the enemy is that he makes us to think that, you know, we're supposed to be these docile. Uh, 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 I was listening to Dr. Eric Mason. You know, we we, we have these people, you know, who, who think that we as Christians should be these these docile, uh, 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 sympathetic, uh, not moving, nonviolent people. And that isn't who God has called us to be. We have to be radical. I'm not saying go and, you know, kill a bunch of people. That's not what I mean by radical. But you have to have courage to stand in the face of wrong, even when nobody agrees with you. Right. That is the beauty of the gospel. That's what Christ did for us. You know, he was hated by he was hated without a cause. And many times when you're pushing for change with people, you're going to be hated without a cause. And, and that's 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 my point in all of this, because. The same fight we're fighting is the same fight that Christ was fighting exactly. thousands of years ago. And that's why I believe wholeheartedly the black church should be behind this movement oh, yes. way more than they are. Yeah. Because it's the exact same fight. We're hated on for who we are and not for what we're doing, not for what we've done. Yeah. It's simply because of who we are. And I think there needs to be, the thing about that is that there needs to be solidarity. You do have leaders that are like Preston Perry, leaders that are like uh, uh, um, um um, um, black Christians, well, I'm going to say black Christians like uh, Kev on stage, you know, who are doing their part and not only, you know, tweeting about it, mm -hmm. but he's donating just like I have for right. for um, for Georgia's law. Um, and then in addition to that, um, they're they're out marching and protesting in the streets. Right. So it's not just, you know, not just the verbal support or not just, you know, the social media presence. They're monetarily, you know, supporting it, financially supporting these movements and they're out there putting their feet on the ground right so that's what that's what we need to do also leaders like dr eric mason and i mean there are a few others out there but those are just the ones that i know of yeah. but we as a black church as a whole need to stand behind this and i'm sorry you're gonna lose some sponsorships yeah. you're gonna lose Most some definitely. dollars what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul, soul? yeah see and that's why i feel like I've said this to you before we started recording about how the youth and the young men, the young black men are more inclined to join gangs and cliques in the streets yeah. than they are to join a ministry. Because when the chips are down, I know people say the streets turn against you. And I get that. The streets aren't loyal. You know, people die in the streets all the time. Yeah. But when it comes to movements like this, where black businesses are being burned down, you know, there's black people being murdered, you know, black people are being treated and mishandled by the police. Who's there fighting for the black people in the streets? The gangs are there. And I and I hate to say that, you know, but like, you know, people will hear, you know, gangs in such a negative, you know, connotation. But again, the Black Panther Party was a gang that was started simply to police the police, to yeah. keep the police away from beating down unnecessarily um, handling black people. That was why the Black Panther Party was here, you know, and they were, you know, I think they were ruled a terrorist organization. I can't remember if they actually were classified as a terrorist organization or not. But they, I believe they were due to the COINTELPRO movement. That but yet happened. the KKK uh, is the KKK not, is still alive. Right. Uh, the, you have white nationalists uh the white nationalist that none party. of them are classified as terrorist it's, it's organizations, terrorist organizations right. because they don't they don't go against the status quo it's because the people that are in power the oppressor they're not coming after them yeah they're exactly. not coming after them like antifa antifa was just i think classified as a or antifa however you think it's antifa, yeah, antifa, like, antifa. it was just classified as a terrorist organization yeah but i'm like there are way more pressing issues and parties that should be classified as terrorist organizations but they're not and again you're right because it's not challenging those in charge mm -hmm. you know and that's why i have such a big issue again i'm not a political guy you know i know what i'm talking about but i'm not a big political guy i yeah. just have problems with black communities black churches black neighborhoods supporting Trump, supporting MAGA, supporting, you know, Trump 2020 and all this, because like, if you look at the platform that's built, it's built on bigotry, division, it's racism. built on bigotry, it's yeah. built on 
continue to divide black and white, man and women. That's what it's at, at, at the core. That's what it does. Yeah. You know, and now when you have groups that form to defend and protect minorities and black people and you know young black men, young black women, they're classified as terrorists and thugs. But in reality, like that's not what it is. But since it challenges someone's agenda, it's all of a sudden a threat. You know, the president said, you know, when you arrest these people, don't, don't or when you arrest these thugs, don't be afraid to rough them up a little bit. You know, and there's still <laughs> people on, supporting that. You know, and it's like, wait a second. Again, I'm not a I'm not a Obama guy. You yeah. know, but the, the the older I get and the more free thinking I think on my own and not being told what to think, I'm seeing more of how great of a man Obama was versus yeah. how bad of a man Trump is. Because in this situation, like like what Obama has actually been on the front lines, like he's been giving speeches, he's yeah. been you know talking, he he's been doing things while Trump hides in a bunker and tweets, yeah. you know, and, and it's fueling the divide, it's fueling the hatred. Yeah. And you know, then you know, having you know the goal to say, you know, certain stuff still about Kaepernick and you know yeah. to keep this he he keeps pushing the division and that's why i have an issue with this whole like with you know blacks for trump you know i went to the flea market yesterday you know eric and i went to the flea market yesterday you know it's a sunday it was a beautiful day nice yeah. day you know the flea market was open you know we had our mask or whatever but you know i was like you know what i'm gonna go to the flea market you know i gotta get some shea butter so yeah. i'm finna go to the flea market we walked down one aisle, actually probably seven aisles in the flea market, mm -hmm. and there was so much Trump 2020, MAGA, Make America Great, Keep Come America on, Great. Um, they had one poster with him as the Terminator saying, I'll be back 2020. <laughs> and I'm like, come on. Like, it was everywhere, you know? And of course, these patrons were, you know, or these, um, these booth runners were white people. Yeah. But it just, it makes you feel like there's Confederate flags flying everywhere. It just makes you feel like that one, there was one shirt that had that one Confederate saying on it that I love hearing because it's so ignorant where it has the confederate flag and it says if this offends you then you need a history lesson <laughs> right it, it it pisses me off every time I hear and see it because it's oh. like wait a second oh my like, gosh Come that's on, like man. me flying the Nazi flag and saying if this pisses you off you need a history lesson you know it's the same th same thing here's the thing as I was looking at as I was looking at that uh, that documentary one of the main things that I saw was you had people that were at Granted, this is 20 years, right? 20 years after World War II ended, man. During the then during the civil rights era, and and, and um, because it's, it it basically captures 19 about 1960 to about 1970, okay, uh, that decade. <clears throat> so it showed that they had there were people, and you know, insert you know, middle America, white town, you know, here, it had people that were. I think it was definitely in, in, I think it was in Alabama, because they were talking about how, who was it, uh, not, I can't remember the name of the little girl, but the, the girl that was one of the first ones to, um, after Brown versus Board of Education was, was um, after that had the final ruling, she was one of the ones that integrated into the school, okay. you know, she was going to high school, so they had literally Nazi swastikas, and it's like, you do realize that, that, that would be the equivalent of you and I getting some Al Qaeda stuff, exactly after yeah. September 11th, right? It's, it's grand. September 12th, walking down New York with, yeah. you know, you know, you, you know, yeah. We, even we though get, September 11th and 9/11 was an inside attack, you know, from the U.S. government, but still, same thing. Yeah. I, I get you. Yeah, yeah. It's the exact same so thing. it's like you know, because if, if honestly, before you keep going, yeah, white people want us to always, you know, remember 9/11, yeah. always remember, you know, never forget, but are quick to forget, you know, Tulsa, quick to forget, you know, which all, happened from the National Guard. 
Was it the National Guard? It was Guard? the National Guard. You know, I listened to a first account, um, a, a few different first accounts about that, and they said there were bombs dropping down on them. Right. I remember hearing about the bomb, well, reading about the bombs. Yeah. But I had no idea of the National Guard, but I believe it. But that's my point. Like, never forget 9-11 because a lot of Americans was attacked. America was attacked. White people lost their lives. You know, mm-hmm. it's a tragic event. But what else is tragic? Tulsa is very tragic. And the uh, bad thing is, I didn't even learn about that in school. You know what I mean? And that's At Americans all. attacking Americans. I 9-11 was American attacking Americans, too. But I didn't know about that until 2015. I think it was right around the time. Uh, no, it was, after, it was way after Trayvon Martin. Right. Right around the time where... BLM really started picking up and that's when in, started in 2014, um, right around the time there was Freddie Gray, Mike Brown, uh, Terrence Crutcher, right. uh, Philando Castile, right around that time where, you know, I started doing, you know, a lot of uh, conscious black research. And, and started, you start finding out stuff yeah. that you should have learned in school yeah. that was never even brought we up. We never yeah. learned about, we never learned about Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, to you and everybody listening. Again, big comic book fan. I love almost every single type of comic book. Yeah. Um, Watchmen. Watchmen had a movie, you know, a couple years ago. Great movie, Zack Snyder film. I loved Watchmen. Had a comic oh, book, yeah. all that. Uh, one of my best friends, Chan, is a huge um, Watchmen fan. He loved the graphic novel. Oh yeah. So they made a TV show based on the graphic novel. HBO yeah. released it last year. The yeah, very yeah. first episode um, takes place in the 20s, 1920s, okay. and it shows the Tulsa bombings. And I had known about Tulsa. I had Ooh. known about it. Um, um, but seeing it on this show, it's an HBO show created by white people. Regina yeah. King is in it. Uh, she's the main character. Um, Yahya Abdul, um, uh, the guy that played uh, Black Manta in Aquaman, he's in Candyman. Um, okay. Yeah, he's uh, her husband. You know, it, 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 there's black leads in the film. Yeah. But um, it starts with 1920. It starts with the Tulsa bombings. It, you're watching people get murdered, buildings blowing up, fires everywhere. <laughs> And the whole show, it's a comic book show. It's only eight episodes, I think, but the whole show is dedicated. Is, is, it, it's formulated around Tulsa. It takes place in present day Tulsa. It takes place, you know, it has flashbacks to 1920 Tulsa, has flashbacks to 1930 and 40s New York with the racism in there. Yeah. But the whole show is built upon showing racism and how, like, spoiler alert, one of the, one of the heroes is Hooded Justice, who, yeah. who rose up in the 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. who is a black man with his suit is him with a hood and yeah. a noose around, yeah, his, noose neck. around his neck. Right. It I gives, think I remember seeing that in the movie too. And, and I was that, like, yeah, wait, what? Hooded Justice was an actual character in the comic book, yeah. but they changed his origin a little bit for the show. Yeah. And they showed that the reason why he's Hooded Justice is because white people tried to hang him. Mm-hmm. And of course it didn't work. And yeah. he got his justice. He went out. But that's like his suit. But that show itself for, again, Watchmen, HBO, eight series, eight episode miniseries, shows racism so beautifully or yeah. even dr manhattan the most powerful being in the universe is portrayed by a black man and it's, it, it flips everything <laughs> yeah it flips everything that's racist on its head because it's like the whole show the enemies the bad guys are a basically a secret organization of the kkk it's like a it's like, like the, a hydra a, yeah it's like yeah kind of it's yeah. like the like a baby it's like a new secret baby that's grown up um of the kkk like they have like a secret sect and it's grown up and it's become like this big organization yeah. But it shows how politicians are corrupted, how local leaders, all these sheriffs, all these people are secretly in this new super KKK yeah. that are against all black people, are against you know superpowered people. Mm-hmm. But it, it shows and it handles racism so beautifully. And like mm-hmm. I say, it makes the most powerful being in the universe a black man. And 
you know, I'll argue with my, you know, again, my friend Chan um, on Twitter all the time about yeah. how I hated the Manhattan portrayal. But once he told me, he's like, look at it this way. They literally made the most most powerful being in all of creation a black man. And I'm like, yeah, I, okay, I love it. You know, yeah. now I look at it. Yeah. But it, that's that's one I'm thinking. To, um, that's that's my whole point because it took. Tulsa, a scar of American history, and it it, it it amplified it. So we've seen how bad it was, and now we learn more about it. And yeah. like the directors and the creators, I listen to podcasts all the time, and they were talking about it. Like they're like, you know, people needed to see this, yeah. and the whole show being built around racism taking place in present day Tulsa shows and it shows you how the you know community has healed from the scars but don't forget and yeah. i'm like man like i should have learned this in school you know what i mean i've always thought that and regina king did a beautiful job as a lead that's probably my favorite project she's ever done is yeah. in this thing because it's comic books that i love it's racism that i fight for and it's regina king that you got to be a fool not to love regina king sure and um so yeah check that out for anyone who's listening for you i def- definitely oh, recommend checking it I out get, <laughs> now i really got to check it out because i was looking at i was looking at the one of my favorite movies, especially from DC, is The Watchmen. Oh, dude! Um, Rorschach yeah. probably w- was my favorite character. Um, I had a caveat about Doctor Manhattan too. I thought he was a bum for what he did, but you know, at the end of the movie, why? Oh, for yeah. taking the fall for no for um 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 what he did is he killed Rorschach because well, Rorschach to. was gonna. Well, you got to think about it. And in, in, in this, again, I, I hated it at first too. But yeah. Rorschach can't bite his tongue, right? But Rorschach's yeah. like, look, I'm telling everybody. And Rorschach plays a part in this TV show too. Cause it takes mm-hmm. place 20 years after the events of the comic. So after okay. the end, yeah. this show takes place like 20 something years after. But okay. think about it. What they did, Manhattan did. They killed millions of people to basically yeah. bring world peace. What was so, the guy's name? Oz, Ozymandias. Yeah, yeah, Ozymandias. So yeah. he basically, him in Manhattan, killed you know all these people. Well, yeah. Manhattan did it not knowing, but Man- Ozymandias killed. He, yeah, he did it yeah. vicariously. So yeah. he kills all these people, but what, does he does, what he does is he facilitates world peace. He basically saves the world by killing millions. Yeah. If Rorschach would have said something, then all of that would have crumbled and the world would still be at war. So that's why he had to kill Rorschach, because yeah. Rorschach, he's like, look, either kill me or I'm talking. Rorschach was a real one. Rorschach but was the thing is, dude. Rorschach had, he had um, he had an end game, yeah, just well, like Doctor Strange did. His end game, though, was to crumble society, like to call out all corruption. Yeah, that that, that was his purpose. Yeah, but sometimes, well, in in the in the I guess in this universe for the Watchmen, yeah, some corruption is good corruption. But mm-hmm. his his philosophy was no corruption, no is corruption. Good corruption. Yeah, so that's why he was like, look, I'm telling. Like he's like that that tattletale that no matter what you do, they're going to go tell mom. Like you can bargain with them all you want, they're still going to go tell mom that you hit them. Yeah, that's what he was doing. But I mean, again, the show goes more into that. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta yeah, check that out. Yeah, I'll check but, that out. Um, um, but coming back to wait, really quick. Oh yeah, go ahead. Since we're talking about, since we're talking about comics, um, mm-hmm. one of the things, and and you put me on about this, about the create creation of the X Men. Yeah. That I never knew that the X Men was created based on you know Doctor King and Malcolm X. So let me correct you on that one. Okay, uh, go ahead. Go one ahead. of my one of my homeboys, the chef on Twitter, he just posted that a couple uh, about a couple days ago, a week ago. Mm-hmm. I was so heartbroken to find out that that's actually not a hundred percent true. That oh, Doctor King it. and Malcolm X weren't exactly the um, examples uh, when creating. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, it was something that was brought up in the '90s, and Stan mm-hmm. Lee had said that this actually wasn't. Um, his intentions, but it made sense because when you do look at it, I mean, Charles Xavier does fit the bill of Dr. Dr. King. King. Magneto does fit the bill of you know, Malcolm, Malcolm X. X. They want the same thing, except they just have different, you know, means. Yeah. And um, that's actually, you know, even as a kid, when I did believe all this, I loved X-Men simply, you know, for that. Like, yeah. um, for those who don't know, I have probably 400, 500 comic books to this day. Like, yeah. that shoebox right there is actually <laughs> filled with, like, my 
um they're a complete series like i have like like eight you know like the, the every comic for every series like you still got that encyclopedia i still have that encyclopedia <laughs> man I've, i actually funny thing is the encyclopedia you're referring to is the one my mom bought me before she died right yeah. so i had that one and then um in 2011 or 12 yeah. the new one came out and i was like well i'm like to honor my mom i yeah. kind of have to buy this one but yeah. secretly it's just because i just wanted the the thing but yeah. i had to give it a reason for a grown man to buy a marvel <laughs> encyclopedia i was like oh it's because my mom died i have to buy this but yeah, yeah, but yeah. i say all that to say uh that I saw myself in the X Men comics because, like, they didn't choose to be mutants. They didn't yeah. choose to have like you know some of them you couldn't hide it. You know, like some yeah. of the, some of their mutations you just can't hide. They were yeah. like you know grotesque or whatever, and yeah. they were like forced to live underground. You know, there's some black people who are so light skinned they can hide it and they can like adapt into society and society yeah. won't even notice. But there's some you know most of us stick almost all like of a, us they stick out like a, a sore thumb. thumb. Yeah. And when that happens, like when you see a black man like you know in a crowd or anywhere and you're a racist, of course your your hate and your disgust it's targets right at it you know right at yep. them and the x-men dealt with that every single issue every single day like watching the show as a kid senator kelly or i think he was mayor kelly at the time or whatever yeah, hated the, the x-men for on site like on site it was like all right we gotta kill these x-men and it was like you know the sentinels being the police force you know basically you know keeping the x-men and the mutants like you know trying to beat them down for and no that's reason. why he gave trash the green light to, yeah. to do that you know i'm looking and at the, the president giving the cops the green light you exactly know? <laughs> and that's the thing i'm looking at with with with, with x-men um dang i'm kind of heartbroken now but I always look at that show and I'm and just just you know for the sake yeah. of you know us <laughs> yeah. we'll say that that's, that's still true yeah. we'll yeah. say it's still yeah. true but looking at that I look at that and um when I, I was a fan of the show um The Man in High Castle I hear it's really good it's I really good it so basically what it is is that what if the Axis powers in World War II actually won right and you have the US that's divided up um pretty much from Nevada to about Texas Nevada to about Texas is what you call the neutral zone okay and then everything west um Everything I'll say from Colorado west to California, up and down the east, uh, the western seaboard, um, is uh, is Japanese Empire, and everything to the right of it is the Greater Nazi Reich. So you basically oh, you have they 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 defeat they defeat America, they defeat Britain and everything, mm-hmm. and you have Nazi Germany that has the Greater Nazi Reich that lives in America, thrives in America, and then you have the um, the Japanese superpower that that thrives on the West Coast, wow. and basically, you know, as you know, the show grows, you know, they start bumping heads and everything. But the thing is, is that black people aren't even allowed in the Greater Nazi Reich. No, they're killed way. off. So that's where I get that X Men connection. When you have the Sentinels that are like, you know, when um, when you look at the episode Days of Future Past, right. where it's like, look, we're killing you on sight. Yeah, on sight, you're going into a, a an internment camp. Yeah, and that's one of the things that happened. You had a, a black lady. Um, they show uh, it was called the. Uh, fourth season a little bit of a spoiler they have this block black uh communist party or uh, black communist something but they call them the bcc they're fighting against the japanese now here's the thing is that this is the same show same show okay and this is in the final season i'm like oh shoot okay now y'all introduce because this whole time you're wondering i'm like where are the black people? Right. And then in the fourth season, they finally touch on it where you have the, the Kempitai, which is basically the, 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 the Nazi police version of the uh, for the Japanese. You have the Kempitai, which basically keep their foot on the necks of the black people. Black gotcha. people can work in their homes and everything. But through that, they start, you know, kind of having this 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 underground railroad, not to tell you much too much about it, but they start basically getting themselves prepared to go to war with the Kempitai, gotcha. which is an entire Japanese state. They have some allies. They have a lot of opposers. But all in the Greater Nazi Reich, they told what the lie that they told their children were that the the blacks moved back to Africa. And you have a guy who's basically the number two, and he ended up he ends up becoming the number one uh, uh, guy in America. A uh, guy, 
really generic name, John Smith. Oh, okay. He ends up <laughs> he ends up becoming the equivalent of the president of the Greater Nazi Reich, which is like number three or number four uh, in in the Greater Nazi Reich. So basically, he has his daughters, his wife. She gets sick of all of his crap. She moves to the neutral zone with her brother. He goes back, you know, a year, visits them, but his daughter finds out that look. She finds out about black culture. And she finds out that, look, everything that we've been told, his daughter, he has one daughter that's like nine and another daughter that's like 14. The 14 year old, you know, she's listening to black music, which is outlawed in the greater Nazi right. She finds out the truth about black people that they didn't move back to Africa like they were lied to. They were many of them were killed. Or in the case of this one uh, young black lead, she was um, they took her uterus out. Wow. In an internment camp. Wow. Jesus. Saying that, you know, they were going to, you know, uh, educate her, make her better. And she went to the doctor's visit and had never, you know, been to a doctor or anything like that. So she was excited and they took away her reproductive organs. Wow. So in a, in a sense, castrated her. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's crazy, but it's a great show. You got to check it yeah, out. Yeah, I, I definitely would. But I mean, that actually leads to me asking this one question, a new question. Do you think that America itself can probably be fixed if, let's say, Black people created their own political party. Now, mm-hmm. again, black people are more, you know, historically we lean more democratic. Yeah. Um, now, let me, you know. Recent history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but <clears throat> if, if black people had their own political party, you know, uh, a representative that necessarily doesn't even have to be a black man, but something mm-hmm. that represents the black community. Because I personally believe the two-party system is flawed I, yeah. I don't think we should put the 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 future of the entire country in the hands of you know between two people because look i mean between biden and trump <laughs> i'd rather just not have Gosh. a president you know what i mean like yeah. i i'd rather neither one of them and like bernie was the best option to me again but of course the democrats aren't going to let you know bernie ever represent them that's why i'm thinking would you think could you see america prospering better with a new political party that was basically black owned or black influenced. Man, I'm kind of taken aback about this one. I'll say how I feel today. Mm-hmm. It would be good for. It would be good and bad. Good because I believe growing uh, uh, sentience toward black people now that they're having their own and now that we aren't oppressed and now that you know we're 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 actually getting uh, political leverage. You know, right. one of the things. Uh, who who was it? You know, I follow someone. Uh, Yvette Carnell. She mm-hmm. was one of the leaders of the um of the ADOS movement, basically gotcha. to get to get um to get reparations for Black people and basically to liberate you know Black people who are descendants from slavery. So one of the things that um she was saying, she retweeted what Ply said. He said, you know, a lot of people are you know like get the money, get the money, get the money. He was like, but you gotta. What good is the money? If you don't have political prop power, yeah, that's true. So with the money, you need leverage also, yeah. And that's one of the things is that um, I was talking with a friend of mine, Joe Sue, and uh, he he posted, you know, what Roger Goodell said. I was like, that's good and well, but I was like, but we need you to run those tangibles, yeah. Like run the tangibles, yeah. Like uh, that's cool. You're apologizing and everything, and yeah. everyone, you know, it seems like it's a trend that everybody is like, oh, you know, we stand with the black people, but Prove it. after all, yeah, run Prove those it. tangibles, yeah. fam. Like, what are you gonna do for us? Right. Prove it. Because speaking of the NFL alone. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any black owners in the NFL. I don't think there's the closest one we have is Khan. Yeah, Shad Khan. Yeah, Shad even, Khan. What is he? Like, He's Arab. And that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think there's only I think I heard Lewis Reddick say it today or the yesterday there's like six percent black GMs like of you know in the NFL there's only six percent of them are black GMs. I know the Dolphins have a um, have a black GM and a black head coach. And I know Cleveland has a black GM because he used to be a vice president in Philly. So yeah, um, not too many. But yeah, you're right. I yeah. mean, like 
I got annoyed when I seen him apologize because like, yeah, you're saying sorry, but you blacklisted Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, you've apologized. Give this man a job. Give this man like, a job now. If what I go Nathan? Ahead. If Nathan Peterman, dude, has a job. Yeah, with the garbage, bro. The garbage juice I saw at quarterback last year. Yeah, if Cap is better than them now. Cap, like I've said this before. Cap, I think I said in my last podcast. Cap is probably better than. I'd say talent wise, probably 10 starters right now. Like, that's just me being honest, especially with these rookies. I don't know how these rookies are going to pan out. You don't yeah, know how right. good they are. So, including those rookies, Cap is probably better than 10 starters. He's definitely better than 20 backups. He's definitely <laughs> better than every third string quarterback out there. Every third string. You know string what I mean? Like, out there. Philly has a really good QB room, right? Yeah. We have Carson Wentz. We have Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm talking about that. I'm still pissed that we drafted Jalen Hurts <laughs> in the second round. Um, and we have Nate Sudfeld. Yeah. If someone told me that, hey, Colin Kaepernick is going to be your QB three over Nate Sudfeld, fine. I'm with it today because I'm, I'm nothing against Nate Sudfeld, but I've seen Nate Sudfeld in action. He's got some decent mechanics, got some decent skill, but Colin Kaepernick, if you had a QB You guys little, had 40-year-old Josh McCown for a reason. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. For a reason. It, it, and he tried the ball. Yeah, and, and he did his thing, yeah, he but he had that thing. torn hamstring, so, but he still yeah. did his thing. But yeah. if you're telling me day one, I get to start with Wentz, uh, Hertz and Kaepernick is my QB room. Sign me up. Sign me up right now because no matter what, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm I was so pissed about the Jalen Hurts. I haven't talked about this on my podcast yet. Yeah. But oh man, I was pissed about the Hurts. Like you know, I had a stroke recently, right? Yeah. So I think that was probably the start of the stroke, <laughs> right? But that night, that night, because well, yeah, it wasn't too much longer after that. It was, yeah, it's been a couple weeks after it started happening, but I'm pretty sure that night is when the stroke like planted its its head in because I'm yeah. like second round, we finna get a cornerback to play next to Darius, we're gonna be good. And it's like, oh no, Jalen Hurts. And I'm like, bro, I was I, was I thought receiver. I thought, I thought receiver well, we, or running back. We already took receiver in the first. We took Jalen Rager. And Did I'm, you take a receiver? We took we took Rager in the first, even though Justin Jefferson was there. But like uh, I fell in love with Jalen Rager now. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with Rager. I'm good with the Rager pick. We'll see. Well, <laughs> I, I, I still think Rager's going to do his thing. Uh, trust yeah. me. I, yeah. I've, I've watched his videos. He reminds me of Deshaun Jackson just with more muscle on him. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, so in the second round, I'm like, there's, I think, Fulton. Kristen Fulton was there. Yeah. I'm like, we, we can get a corner. I'm like, we can get, if we had Darius Slay and a top corner on the other side, yeah. we're going to be straight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Man, I'm like, because we could have traded the second round pick to move up and get CD Lamb, yeah. but they're like, no, the second round pick's too valuable. I'm like, okay, so how he's cooking? We finna get something in a second. Yeah. And then to get Jalen Hurts, <laughs> I was like, wait a second. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I was watching on the Fire Stick. You know, I have bootleg internet and bootleg TV. I don't pay for that. I just, yeah. you know, get my Fire Stick. So I'm like, yeah. maybe I picked up the wrong, like, <laughs> country's draft. Like, maybe this is just, like, wrong. Reset the Fire Stick. I was watching my Twitter feed, and all of Philly Twitter was, like, going up. They were like, oh, snap. And I'm like, okay, yeah, so this really happened. Yeah. You know, a month or two later, I'm cool with it now. I'm still a little upset, but like I've come to peace with it because yeah. like if Wentz does get hurt, which I don't think Wentz is injury prone as everybody says, he has had injuries. But his rookie year, he played the whole rookie year, yeah. and last year he played the whole season, right? Mm-hmm. So two of the four years he's played every game. You know, he's he's fine. I, I think he's fine. He had two unrelated injuries. Yeah. Last year he was taken out <clears> from a cheap shot that ended up in a concussion. Yeah, it, was a dirty shot. Oh, I, it was a dirty I, shot. It was a dirty shot. I don't like, know. Watching all or nothing, it did look like a dirty shot. Watching it live, it looked like a dirty shot. I don't know, dude. What you don't know, bro? Oh my I god! Don't know. I have three hundred people from Philly Twitter that would disagree <laughs> with you, bro. I'm telling you, it was a dirty shot, bro. Wait, wait regardless, like yeah, the shot yeah. took him out with a concussion, unrelated injury. Jalen Hurts was still ball, but if I had Wentz, Hurts, Kaepernick, 
I'd be a very ha- I'd buy all three jerseys. I'd yeah. alternate and wear every jersey every week. For but, sure, for sure. But but I say all that to say this: Kaepernick deserves a spot. He does. You know what I mean? So like your apologies don't mean Jack Diddley if you because if I'm the GM or if I'm the owner of the league, if I'm the commissioner, I can basically do what I want. Like I can be like, hey, look, y'all. I know it's an owner driven league, yeah. but I can base. I'm pretty sure he can influence some owner to bring in Kaepernick. And Someone can do it. One thing I'll say, just to um, not not to get too far off the subject, but one thing I'll say with Colin Kaepernick, after he pulled, you know, pulled that, pulled that stunt, I was kind of in the Stephen A. camp with that, mm-hmm. um, you know, thinking that, you know, he didn't want to play, you know, he just wants to be a martyr. But given the the recent events, I was wrong. Yeah, I was wrong because he kept his mission the same. Um, and I, I honestly feel, you know, that that I was wrong in thinking that, you know, he well, was just trying to be a martyr and try maybe like now, it was a publicity stunt. See, I don't think it's a publicity stunt. I've, yeah. ne- I've never thought that. Yeah. But I, I can see the I can see the wanting to be a martyr. I can see that because now it's like it's evolved more than more than football than football. Yeah. You know, and it, it's always been more than football. But now it's so much more than football. It's, yeah. You know, when you have countries that are historically racist Mm -hmm. that are protesting Black Lives Matter. You know, outside of America, I'm talking about like France, I think Italy, you know, countries that don't really enjoy black people too much who are protesting it. Mm -hmm. You've reached a new level. That's why I say, I think at the end of the day, you know, in 20, 30 years when our kids or our grandkids maybe are studying in school, the Black Lives Matter movement will be studied on the same level as the civil, civil rights, rights movement, movement because it's so widespread. So that's why I think at one point, Kaepernick, I'm not saying that he refused offers on purpose just to fuel the narrative, but I think I can agree with he was at the point where it's like, I'd rather push my movement than settle for like, like Eric Reed settled for a little settlement outside the league, you know, yeah. to, to keep playing. Yeah. I think Kaepernick was like, bump that i'm going to keep pushing my mission and doing what i'm doing because this two million dollars a year salary you're offering me to be a backup somewhere isn't worth what i'm doing so i i don't think it's publicity i applaud him for not for not not folding yeah for not folding yeah i I really do because it would be hard to you know people say that even the even the the broncos offer him you know a, a contract but one of the things that um Elway said is that he wanted to he didn't want him to protest anymore mm-hmm. he didn't want him to protest anymore so with that and they said they were going to give him like a like 50 or 60 million dollar contract I could be wrong I could be wrong but from from my I do remember hearing something about that with him not being able to protest yeah yeah so it was like and I I commend him from for not taking a paycheck to continue his movement and the thing is that people always talk about him they always talk about oh you know he's he's this he's that but I'm like what have you done for you know, he, he donated money to the to um the uh, I think he was the one that started the Know Your Rights campaign. I think so. Um, yeah, he that makes sense. he lived up. It wasn't just all hype. He gave a million dollars. He said he was going to pledge a million dollars to help these efforts, and that's what he did. And so, like, I understand like some people can be so like upset. Like I talked about it in my last episode, so I don't want to like keep going on the same subject. But it's like. He didn't do anything disrespectful to me. You know, we kneel when we pray. We kneel at graveyards. We do all this stuff. You yeah. know, we kneel in you know respect to someone who's hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and all of a sudden it's uh, you know it's offensive. And it just it just and honestly, to be honest, it just quite frankly pisses me off to see how his situation was handled. Um, again, you know, if if Goodell is really sorry, we'll see movement. We'll see action for sure. Yeah, and uh, but that goes with every company. You know, like that not just to be focused only on the NFL. That goes with every company. Like Call of Duty is probably one of the most racist platforms. Ever, you know, I've been called anything from porch monkey, moon cricket, you know, 
all kinds of junk, you know. No, I'm saying, like, I'd be called this stuff on on Call of Duty since I was, like, I don't know, 15. You know, as soon as they hear any any slight indignation that you have any color on your skin, it's full blast racism. So the other day I was, like, pleasantly surprised whenever I turned on Call of Duty Mm -hmm. and it had Black Lives Matter. It had a Black Lives Matter banner. Yeah, when you're in the the lobby loading up for your game, it has a Black Lives Matter, you know, um, uh, little banner on the side. So it's like pushing Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, this is great. You know, uh, Amazon has it. YouTube has it. Um, Apple Music has it. Yeah, yeah. a bunch of people are doing it now. Now, my only thing is like, you're doing it, but what are you doing? Like, you're posting it, but what yeah. are you doing? Like, are you now giving equal opportunity to black CEOs? To yes. black, you know, like, are you opening the door for that? Run or, those tangibles. Exactly. That, like, run those that's tangibles. my point. I've heard yeah. someone, um, I believe it was Jamel Hill, said that, you know, I love all this solidarity, solidarity and that's cool and all. Um, and I may be wrong, wrongfully accrediting this, but one of the things she, <clears throat> the, the, the person said on Twitter is that, now you need to look at your look at your your board of executives. Mm-hmm. Look at you know your 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 top level managers. Right. Who are they? Right. You know what does your board what does your boardroom look like? Exactly. Because those are the people you know you, you're talking about having all the solidarity and that you're you stand with us. Okay, put us in the room if you really stand with right. us. Right. And I'm not saying fire CEOs. I'm no, not no, saying. No, no. But I'm just saying put some because there's a lot of black you know young black people you know that are in their 20s early 30s that are talented that are smart that are business minded that can run corporations. Yes. Like, you know, my homeboy was on the podcast a couple episodes again a couple episodes ago and said mm. when he went to Atlanta for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing so many professional black people in one like city was, yeah. but he was saying that it was like amazing to, yeah, yeah, he referred to it as like Wakanda, saying that it's like amazing to see that all these black people, you know, in, you know, positions of power and authority. And my thing is like, that's still, that's in every city, really. It's just yeah. these, these bigger companies aren't giving, you know, those people like, you know, that same kind of platform. Yeah, yeah, same opportunity. So like, if you, Black Lives Matter, show us, prove it, let us see it, because like, I don't see it, you know. Like I work, you know, for a you know particular company, and they're a very big company. You know, mm-hmm. they generate a lot of revenue. Yeah. Um, and I'm not seeing a lot of representation that looks like me on the TVs for my particular company. Mm-hmm. I know my CEO is a white man. I know the board is, you know, ma- mainly white. Um, the people who are over me and over my boss and our warehouses are white people. You know. Um, not saying that there aren't black people in those positions, but I, I would like to see more of that. You know what I mean? Because that's where we're going. Since we're talking about companies, uh, the company that I work for, we're actually owned by a company that's owned by a company that's owned by a huge corporation. But okay. the CEO of the company that owns us, I found out that he was a black man. Like awesome. I saw it on the company newsletter and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, I didn't know y'all were like giving out opportunities like this. Yeah. Like, so it seems like they're putting their, their money where their mouth is. Right. And I, I mean, I hope that's everywhere though. You know, like I'm glad yeah. your company's like that, but I hope it starts going, you know, that direction, you know, where, you know, black people are accredited more, you know, like now, like I said, I think my first podcast, there's more black directors and producers and actresses and actresses now yeah. that, than there was when I was a kid. Like we, yeah. I've always had Denzel and, you know, Eddie Murphy and stuff like that. They've always been there. But like, like there, as a kid, there was probably like honestly a handful of good black actors and actresses like a handful now there's you know dozens and dozens and dozens of them where that that can honestly lead franchise films you know what i mean and i love what john boyega has done where um if you don't know uh john boyega played finn in star wars fn2187 who i wasn't a big fan of his role (laughs) oh my Um, gosh no but you know (laughs) 
a little side note on that. He was supposed to have more of a Jedi role in the entire series, yeah. but they like wrote it out for yeah, some I reason. I don't know what happened with it. And I honestly, I think I know what happened with it oh, because yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. Disney, notoriously racist. Yeah. Do you really want your franchise to have a lead black Jedi? Like Samuel L. Jackson was a black Jedi, but he wasn't the lead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you really want to have that you I know, still as think the he was face? The most powerful, though. Jedi, well, a point, there's an actual fact that Mace Windu was the most skilled Jedi warrior in all of Star Wars. Like, like Sam Jackson made that to yeah. be canon. And like the purple lightsaber, um, yeah. the, the truth behind the reason why his is purple mm-hmm. is because he himself wanted a lightsaber that was unique only to him. Yep. That while he's fighting, you can see it mm-hmm. no matter. So you always know where he was. But yep. um, going, you know, back on track with John Boyega. I feel like he's like you know he's he's taking Disney's money in their platform so mm-hmm. now he's a household name cuz he went from like you know what was it uh Kids on a Block or Run This Block or whatever whatever movie yeah, yeah. Uh, Attack on, the on Block on the Block on the yeah, Block or something, something like that, like that. yeah something like that I don't know and um, he went from that to being almost a household name you know yeah. thanks to Disney yep. and now he's like you know preaching about you know the racism and police brutality saying like you know if I have to risk my career you know I'm gonna do this and you know, yep. he's like leading like chants and protests in London and it's beautiful to see mm-hmm. and it's like wow like you've taken <clears throat> Disney used their platform which again Disney's historically a racist company you know Walt Disney would be pretty pissed if he knew Disney made Black Panther. I'm just telling you now, yeah. Walt Disney would be pretty upset that heard, Black Panther got made. Things. Yeah, he... Yeah. Um, I, I, that's a topic for another time. But, <laughs> yeah. um, he, like I say, Boyega used Disney, used their platform, and now he's preaching Black Lives Matter. And now everyone knows who he is. Now there's other black actors and black directors saying, I can't wait to work with John Boyega. And I'm like, that's perfect. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. You know, and that can go on in, you know, in any any corporation. But it's just beautiful to see how someone used something that's notoriously been against us. You know, yeah. like what was the one racist movie, Song of Dixie or, or something from Dixie? It was like a it's like a 30s or 40s. That was like an anti-black uh, movie that Disney made. Like when Disney did Disney Plus, oh, yeah, Song of Song of yeah. Disney or something like that, Song of Dixie, something or, like that. Yeah, I know what you're but talking about. It was about. a racist film, and like when Disney Plus was coming out, they're like, oh yeah, they're opening the vault and putting everything on Disney Plus, and everybody's like, not that one, right? And they're like, oh no, 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 that one doesn't exist anymore. But it's like, oh, it exists. It's just you don't want, you know, yeah, of you course don't you don't want, want that out. out. Yeah, but that just shows how far we've come, you know. And but. I say that to say all this again. Like you have now a generation of black CEOs, mm-hmm. you have black you know, entertainers, you have black you know politicians who are rising up. That's why I'm for a black political party. But you know, of course, it won't be perfect. You know, because there's black people who disagree. You know, like we don't always agree on everything. You know, there's some black people who believe this and some black people who believe that. Like we're not a complete united people. Yeah. We're united, but of course, like everybody else, we do have differences. So I, yeah. I, I can see the flaws in having a united black political party, but I see the benefit outweighing the flaws. And the thing is that um, looking at that, what what aggravates me about the the Democratic Party is that. When it comes to, we often get empty promises. Mm. You know, black women are the backbone of the Democratic Party. Right. And many times, black men vote with black women. Mm. It isn't like white women. And, and, and statistics show that black men, when they usually vote, they vote like they're, they're, they're black women. White women, white men, they vote kind of different. They vote kind of different. We uh, over one. Uh, I think it's. They said about ninety percent or eighty-eight uh, percent. Uh, one of the statistics I was looking at that <clears throat> black men vote like black women, whereas you know if it's white men and white women, um, it, it's not the same number. So you're saying that we're, we're closer united. We're more cl- closer united in, in our votes. Gotcha. So um, 
with that being like I said, we get too many empty promises. Right. And that's the thing that I don't like is, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then one of the things that that kills me about intersectionality is that the black tangibles always come last. Mm. We're the biggest hype men. We give you the most support. And honestly, you've seen that you can't win without us. That's why Bernie Bernie shifted his platform from us to, um, and I'm not down in the Latino community, but he he switched it to the Latino community, and it's like, bro, you, did you forget who you marched in the streets with? Right. Like, like let's not let's not try to change this into you know a, 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 a immigrant thing. Right. So, um, <clears throat> with that, he ended up losing the primary. Mm. Joe Biden, you know, they had you know some guy um, in, in South Carolina or North Carolina, I forgot his name, but he rang the bell like, hey, let's vote, let's all vote for Joe Biden. He's our best hope. Same thing about Joe Biden, and I was looking at, um, um, and we voted for him in the primary, and we got him there. Now, one of the things that, you know, you have people like Angela Rye that want us, and I'm not down on her, but I'm just saying, they want us to vote for Joe Biden. But my thing is, what has, just like I was looking at um, the Breakfast Club interview she had, Charlamagne the God said, what have you done, what has he said he is going to specifically do for black folks? Exactly. What does he say? I feel like Biden, and you know, again, this isn't to attack anyone's political beliefs. I feel like Biden is a Republican dressed up as a Democrat. I think so, too. Because I think it's an easier way for him to win yeah. as a Democrat than it would have been for as a Republican. So I see him and Trump as two sides of the same coin. Like, yeah. I, I don't see I don't see an improvement, and I don't see... I mean, I see... I hate to say this, but Trump might be the better candidate going into the presidency versus Biden. And I think that's yeah. almost because, I mean, I know there's two parties, but at the end of the day, it's all ran by the same corporations. It's it ran by the same exact. I believe the Rothschilds still run this country. I believe the yeah. top 1% still run this country. So the best bet they had to keep Trump in this White House is mm-hmm. to put Biden, put Biden as there. his opponent. So like I said, I don't see anything that Biden's promised. I don't see, because when it looks, when I looked at between him, Warren, and Sanders, both Sanders and Warren had made better promises that I liked and I could have benefited from rather than Biden. Biden didn't make any of the promises that Warren and Sanders made. And I, I preferred both of them versus I wish it would have been Sanders as the one, the primary with mm-hmm. Warren as his VP yeah. rather than Biden. Even has Biden picked the VP? He hasn't. And people thought that it was going to be uh, Kamala. No, not Kamala Harris. <sighs> God, She's I in Georgia. Not. She's in Georgia. I cannot remember her. She ran for uh I can't remember her name. That's it, probably a bad sign. Uh, that, that, that is yeah. a bad sign. But anyway, she was one of the the main bell ringers for him. Gotcha. And one of the, they had <laughs> it's kind of bad, but they had her on a show, and they were like, "Oh, well, Joe Biden." He was like, "Yeah, you know, um, uh, I know you have, you know, one of your main, you know, your your main supporters here, and uh, and are you coming on the show today? You know, the are you giving us some news?" And he was like, "No, no." Um, and he basically, you know, just kind of beat around the bush and said, "No, she's not going to be my running mate." And you could see how she had this great. You know, smile, this big smile, this big expression, and it just became staler than three week old Cracker Jack. I think he's waiting for. Who's that? I think he's waiting for Barack. To be his VP? I I think he's trying to see. Is that even legal? I don't know if it is, but you know, if he can't get Barack, he can get Michelle. I think, to be honest, I think that's the only way he wins. I think it's the only way he can win is he if he gets either Barack. I don't know if you can, but I know you. I know Michelle can. Yeah. But I think that's the only way. To be honest, I think it's the only way he wins because people now see that Barack was a better man than Trump. Yeah. Then I think if he can, if he can, if he can nail Barack, if it's legal, I don't know if it is or not. Yeah. If he can nail Barack, he'll win. If he can't, he'll try to get Michelle. I think that might be what he's waiting for. I might be wrong, but if, I, if I'm him, that's the that's the route. I know I'm going to lose. 
So I, I, I'm, I better try to get yeah. Barack or, you know, remind everyone as much as I possibly can yeah. that, hey, remember that black guy that was president? <laughs> I was his VP. I think that's what he's like. That's hoping. what he's riding on. Yeah. But I'm saying it, the more you can like remind people, like yeah. when you see um, Biden, Obama, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be like, oh, wait, like I remember the Obama Biden. Like, you know, now, yeah. you know, I had more money during Obama Biden and I had better health care coverage during Obama Biden. And, you know, my black uncle wasn't killed by police during Obama Biden and so people are going to start like you know as much you know yeah. they still were getting killed but police not, but we weren't but the president was by neighbors though, yeah the president like wasn't that, like yeah. endorsing it yeah. saying these guys are heroes who are out doing this against you know it's, again another topic from the time yeah, yeah. but I think that's Biden's like main chance is yeah. riding that Obama nostalgia wave as best as he can and yeah. how else could you do that well getting an Obama running mate I don't care if it's Sasha or Malia <laughs> if, if, if he can get an Obama running mate someone with the last name even if he gets Obama Obama's brother from Kenya. As long as he gets an Obama (laughs) next to his name, I think he'll be good. But um, again, I don't want him to win. Yeah. Ideally, I would hope for both of them to lose um, and be some weird swing vote way where we have to vote for a third candidate some weird way. But um, it's just it's it's a mess going forward. So I don't. If Trump wins, I don't see black communities getting fixed for a while. If Biden wins. I don't see the economy getting fixed for a while. To touch on that point. Yeah. Here's the thing. Angela Rye was saying, and, and Charlemagne was saying, look, he, he hasn't had anything on his platform for black people. Angela Rye, her defense was is that she'd rather have a president where she could at least bring her issues to the table rather than just having them deflected automatically. Well, and, and that's important. I get that. Yeah. But like... Ideally, I would like a president who already has a plan in motion. Run, yeah, knows right tangible, and is willing to like put his money where his mouth is. You know, like tell me that hey, we're going to fix this, and this is what we're going to do, and actually do it. I know that's I know it's not going to happen because you know the presidents. I mean, but you know, ideally, that's what I would want. I would want you know, I think there should be this uh, a a thing where you know, if a president isn't working out, you know, the first year of his presidency, just just annul the presidency. (laughs) You know, I mean, just make it not count. Like I know there's impeachment, but like just make it not count because you. I think you can tell. I know they probationary they, period, right? Yeah. They put they put so much emphasis on the first hundred days, right? But mm-hmm. the first year, you can tell what kind of president you're going to get. Pretty like much. you you can you can tell. Like like Trump didn't do anything his first year. He didn't do anything his first hundred days, and everybody's like, yeah, he did. No, he, he, golfed. he didn't. He, he golfed. golfed. He, he golfed, golfed so golfed. much. You know this wall that was that China, that Mexico was going to build that they were going to pay for no that didn't COVID-19 happen. they might start building it bro well I mean I wouldn't blame them you know And but th- that's my point like you know we, 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 we get these false promises from these presidents and then we're like yeah that's what I want that's what I'm going to do I, I, I believe this guy I'm going to put him in there because I need my baby's college to be paid for and yeah. then none of it ever happens yep. you know that's again why I think we should have a third party system um, if it's you know black ram that's fine you know it is what it is but yeah. um it just needs to be something, you know, and basically, you know, going back to the, the topic, you know, the main topic, um, you know, I'm a believer of church and of separation of church and state because, yeah. you know, I know a lot of churches are like, we need a man of God in the, in the White House. That's why they voted for Trump. But this man, it, uh, even if because I know I know churches, I've been in the, the I've been in the sermon while a pastor was talking about how much of a Muslim Barack Obama was and how much he conned the American people and how much he was probably gay himself because he was passing gay legislation. Yeah. All this stuff, right, which is not none of it's true, but yeah. I, I've heard pastors say that 
to then say that Trump is a man of God. <laughs> but here's the kicker. Trump has had oh, 30, 40, 50 rape allegations of, 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 on him. He's yeah. been recorded saying this, recorded doing this to women. Yeah. Um, there's things that have been leaked that he's paid off families from you know raping and molesting young people. He's paid their families off. He had an affair with a porn star. Yeah. He uh, he quotes Second Corinthians, two Corinthians. He doesn't know Scripture, but no. he's a man of God. And no. I've heard the church and multiple churches, not just one church. So if, if so, if this is hitting, if this is hitting your church, if this is hitting you, it's not like specifically for you. But like I've heard it all over the place where they've they've put Trump on this pedestal yeah. because he's a Republican, he's a man of God, and all that. But like his personality, what he's done outside of the office is horrible. So that's like my problem. That's like my issue. You know, we call. You know Obama, this this Muslim, but even though he was a Christian or is a Christian, you know. And but yeah. my point is, I don't. I'm at the point in my life where I don't. I don't care what your religious affiliation is as a president, yeah. because if we want to talk scripture, you know, God has the final say, regardless exactly. of who's going to be in the office. You know, regardless, if, <clears throat> and if if we're going to put, if we're going to say that and quote that, then it doesn't matter what their religious background is, if that's how we're going to view it, because no matter what, they're going to be, you know, God's president is going to be in there but we can't drag trump or we can't praise trump while we dragged obama you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. you're either going to drag both of them or you're going to raise up both of them you yeah. can't drag one then tell me to pray for the other yeah. uh, look if you want to drag this one i'm going to drag this one but the but the, before you go my mm-hmm. point was is i'm not looking for a christian candidate i'm yeah. just not i'm looking for a man that is going to be a good a good person yeah it was a good man yeah. who my children can look up to yeah. who can run this country well you know what i mean obama i don't know his you know like I, say, I don't know his religious you know affiliations Affiliation, yeah. i don't need to go to church with the man yeah. i don't need to see him pray i don't need to see him quote scripture i don't need to see trump do that either but I'm looking at the man's heart. You know yeah. what I mean? At the end of the day, you can't tell me Trump has a better heart than Obama. Yeah. Physically and spiritually. Because <laughs> there's no way that man has a better heart than Obama. Obama was playing basketball and dunking on, like, representatives. Trump is, like, not. So, um, but that's my point. Like, I, I just want a good man in the White House. I want someone who's for the people. I want someone who, at the end of the day, isn't going to make legislations to make life harder and isn't going to incite riots, you know, yeah. throughout the country. Exactly. So, Again, if we had to make that a black political party, that's what I'm for. If I have to get someone like you, someone like me, someone who looks like us, someone who can be a CEO and run a country and knows how it feels to be a black persecuted man in America, I'm for that. You know, and to be honest, I need to like again to sum all this up, I need the churches as a whole across America to step up. You know, I need that representation. I need the Jesse Jacksons. I need the Al Sharpens. I need the Dr. Kings back because we don't have those anymore. Yeah. The generations lacking that. That's why our sons, that's why our teenagers are going to the streets because the streets are fighting for their cause. Yeah. They're fighting for, you know, for their representation while the churches are like, we're praying on it. There's a time to pray and there's a time to move. Yeah. There's a time to sit back and there's a time to be on the front lines fighting. Yeah. And <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I agree with what you said because here's the thing. Um, just like I was saying, you know, uh, I listened to a guy and he said that, you know, he's he keeps having people from different political parties that are asking him um, to, you know, support their party or to endorse their party. And he was like, he was like, no, I'm not endorsing your party. He was like, I'm, I'm he was like, I'm not Democratic. I'm not Republican. He said, I'm theocratic. Right. God rule government. So basically, when you don't have a political affiliation. And 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 you're, you're you're theocratic. You're believing that you know you you trust and you believe that God is going to put who He wants there for for a specific reason. Mm. When you allow Him, 
to dictate your life rather than, you know, just having this political party affiliation because, oh, because they have, you know, Christian values here, you know, I'm going to just vote for them because I know I can have more values here. They check more boxes for my Christian values, so I'm going to have who I want there. When just like you were saying, it it, it, it shouldn't be that way. Right. Let's put a, a, a decent person in there because they're going to be decent at best. Yeah. Uh, let's put a decent person in there who's going to, you know, look for the betterment of our country. And I think, you know, with us as the black church, mm-hmm. with us as the black church, we have to, while we have some that are doing uh what they should be in their communities. You know, just like I was telling you about Epiphany Fellowship, they're actually actively working in the urban Philly community, which we've seen what happens in Philly. You know, we see the injustices that happen in Philly. Right. So they're working within their community, in the urban community, in the hood, and making things better, which that is what we as the church should do. We need to have more outreach. Get out of your bed. Get out of your, your, your churches. Get out of the comfort. You know, uh, you, it can't be Sunday's best all the time, holier than thou. No, get in these streets. Right. Speak to the hearts and the minds of men and people just like Christ did. Yeah. And then we can start to see change. I mean, even if it isn't Sunday's best. I mean, yeah. just look at King. King was walking around in a suit, tie yeah. and everything. You know, not always, but a lot of those pictures you see, like, yeah. he didn't do it for photo ops. They just nope. so happened to get photos of him marching and doing what he had to do. Exactly. And I just, like, honestly, man, like, like, I just, I long for the day where I can, like, drive by a protest and see, like, a pastor that I used to fellowship with or a worship leader, you know, marching down with yeah. those, you know, that just seems powerful. Like, I'm just imagine, let me paint this picture for everybody. You know, a black preacher leading people walking down a boulevard or a street while you have worship singers worshiping you know at the same time while they're marching holding up their signs being peaceful you know they don't have to be in suits they can be in cargo shirts cargo shorts and a t-shirt just marching and doing what's right for the black people and just 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 doing that but also having a a a, an influence because they're the you know the, the church you know having that representation of the black church in a black event i think that's needed i think it's necessary and i just i wish that would happen you know i I don't see it happening in 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 my city so i just long to see that um i'm not saying i want my church specifically to do it um this is a psa for every church you know i you know churches that i'll never go to in wisconsin if you hear this you know i would love to see that happen churches in california new york philly you know chicago this is what I want to see. You know, I want to see that on, on television. I want to see a new Dr. King rise up because that's what we need. You know, you guys want to be peaceful? Fine. Do that with the church. Like, let, let, let that be influenced. I just feel like right now the black community needs the church, you know. And oh, I'll, yeah. I'll never say, even if I'm not preaching the gospel, even if I don't consider myself being a part of ministry, I'll never say I don't need Jesus. You know, I'll never say I don't need the black church. I don't, I'll yeah. never say I don't need the church, yeah. you know. If, you know, if God forbid, you know, you know, if I go to go to church Sunday and they kick me out, you know, God forbid, there's another church, you know, that serves Jesus, you know, they they serve him the same God, you know, so that's my point. Like, I'll never say I don't need church because like I said, I'm a flawed individual and I, I need God. But. I feel like we have to take that outside of the four walls and Thank actually you. go out and, exactly. and find, you know, outreach. It, yeah, and outreach. Yeah. And it's not always the member's responsibility. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just like, you know, the, you know, the, the word says, like, you know, I've given, he's, you know, basically, you know, Christ is saying he, he's given some gifts, you know, yeah. some, you know, some, you know, basically, this is what Joe was telling me the other day, my, my, boy, my boy Joe, like, no 
pastor, no preacher, no you know archbishop, no leader of a church will have all the gifts. Oh, yeah, all right? gifts. Yeah, the but ministry. there should be people that are pillars of your ministry who, that are doing who, these things, who are doing those things. Yeah. So if your ministry doesn't have outreach or doesn't have you know one of the gifts that God has given you, then you need to find someone that has that gift. Like one thing about Joe, like I'll tell you right now, like he you know he did leave our ministry, but he has a gift for outreach. I've been yeah. at a gas station with Joe, picking Joe up for whatever. You know, been at a gas station waiting for Joe to finish talking to a random dude. Yeah. I'm ready to go. I'm outside for 20 minutes in my car. Joe's talking to a dude about Christ. Yeah. Prays for the dude. Heals the dude. Whatever ailment they do would have, Joe would heal this dude. Pray for this dude. Give him a card and then leave. And I'm like, bro, I was ready to go 20 minutes ago. But Joe had a heart for people. You yeah. know what I mean, he had a heart for outreach. You know, so whatever ministry, like he thinks he's doing full full time ministry somewhere now. Like God's really blessed him. But that's what I'm saying. Like that spirit is what the black church needs. Someone who's willing to make themselves uncomfortable to go out in these streets and 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 preach this message during these times and it starts at just what you said you got to have a heart for people yeah i mean even the word says that you can't have um you can't say you love god and not love god's people exactly you can't say you love all god. of god's yeah people. all of god's yeah. people yeah you can't say that and you have to you got to have that heart and that's what's missing is that many people they'll want the title they'll want the they'll want the the, the benefits that right. come with ministry but they're lacking the heart yeah well, i agree the heart 100 percent, man so um just basically in conclusion to all that just to wrap that up that's that's what i want to see man i i want to see like i said i love i love the church i love ministry is there flaws in it of course you know and People say all the time, like, you can't talk about the church. That's Christ's bride. Look, Paul wrote letters mm -hmm. correcting the churches. Yeah. He literally wrote 13 letters telling the churches, the bride of Christ, to get in line. You know what I mean? Basically, you know, sum it all up. You know, because people always say, you can't say nothing about the church. You know, that's that's Christ's bride. But no, you can. Mm -hmm. The church itself yeah. is lacking in certain areas. They don't want to tarnish their image by going out in these streets and literally, pro like, a church, a black church should be able to say Black Lives Matter. Exactly. You know, and I remember when, whenever... Black Lives Matter started. A lot of churches were saying, "Oh no, all lives matter." I all hated that. Yeah, I had and the I'm same like, thing. I'm like, you're I had the same missing. Thing where I worship, yeah. bro. I'm like, you guys are missing the point behind this. Yes, and, you are. You know, and then I, even I joined in sometimes when I was saying like, "Oh, all souls matter," because they were started saying like, "All souls matter." Yeah, but we're missing the point. We're missing the point the same way the world is missing the point. Where Black Lives Matter doesn't just say only Black Lives Matter. It's saying that we're focusing on Black Lives right now. And I wish the black churches push that more i honestly do and here's one thing i'll say and this is my final thought um if you look at matthew 20 uh the book of matthew 23 23 one of the things that jesus was saying to the pharisees he says you know what are you scribes and you pharisees he says for you give a, t a tenth of the tithe of your mint <clears throat> of your mint and dill and cumin basically they're talking about they they boasted how oh we're giving you know 10 percent, but they're giving 10 percent, a minuscule amount of of the things that really don't matter much to them. Mm. And he said, you fail to judge the weightier matters. What are the weightier matters? He said, um, you neglect the provisions of the law, such as justice and mercy and faithfulness. And he said, and these are the things that you need to focus on, that and tithing, but you need to focus on these things primarily. Right. And justice, what is justice? We have we have injustice all around this country. And justice is a, a is is an is a communicable attribute meaning that justice comes from god many laws that we have are based on this judeo-christian faith that's true based on the word true. of god so what we have is that <clears throat> when you see an injustice 
it come justice comes from from God right. because all good comes from God. And there, that's Rabbi Zechariah, I yeah. think, that he talks about that. Yeah, that, that there's no God and there's no good, and if there's no good, there's no evil. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing is that you have to you can't stay silent on issues about this because people are looking for the church. I don't care what happens. All of, uh, all throughout all history, the church has been pivotal in things promote in promoting good change. Right. And we need to do that. Yeah, we need to, you know, consider these matters. And, 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 and if Jesus himself had such a great zeal about this, mm. why can't we? Yeah. We need to do that. I think, and to basically sum up my thinking, if the black church, because like I, ever since I've been in, you know, black ministry, and, and there's just, it's a different atmosphere. It just feels different. It's not the same as like a white, you know, generally white church or a Spanish church. It's just a different atmosphere in a black community's church because it's supposed to be the cornerstone of the black community. But we're always taught to be Christ-like. My thing is, if it, if it grieves Christ, it yeah. should grieve you. Thank you know what I mean? You. If you see your brothers and sisters being murdered in the streets, that should grieve you. As a ministry, that should grieve you. Exactly. You know, that, as a culture, that should hurt your heart to be like, you know, and it's not about winning souls at this point. It's simply about just being a good brother or a good sister, a good yeah. person, because it's like, look, this is a victim. This is a person who looks like me. They look like the members of my church. They look like my brothers and sisters in the gospel. You know, I should have a heart for this. It's should affect me and hit me the same way it hits everybody else. Weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Right, exactly. And that's one of those things that I feel like, honestly, like going forward in 2020, every black church should 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 push it. You know, not saying you have to be on the front lines protesting, but man, it helps. Wake it looks up. good. You yeah. know, I'm telling you, it looks better whenever, you know, the place we go to worship is also the place we come to fight. You know, like we're ready to fight the same adversary. We're ready to fight the same devil because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, we wrestle not with flesh, but, you know, of, of you know, spirits and principalities yeah. you know and and that's the same thing it's the same exact you know yeah. the the scripture doesn't change it's the same thing like this is a you know it's the same issue we're always going to have but we need to start coming together stop separating like we want we want church to be implemented in schools and implemented with state functions but not this in our is, communities but not in our communities <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like this is a big issue that yeah. we need ministry to be a part of so um, until then, like I'm, I'm waiting. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and cut it there. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for coming in. Uh, sure, is there anything sure. you'd like to say to the people before we close out today? Um, honestly, uh, one of the things, uh, my my final thought. I guess this is my final. Your final final thought. Final thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Once you had the one thought, <laughs> yeah. Now you got to fight the final thought. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, final thought is just simply, um, the Bible covers everything, and uh, we as we as people of God, we need to do more. And, and, and let our light shine and show the world that this gospel covers everything, including the issue that's at hand, especially the issue that's at hand. So that's my final thought. And uh, you said uh, we can find you on Instagram and Twitter. Exactly. You can find me at um, RJT underscore III. That's Roman numeral three, both on uh, Instagram and Twitter. So you're like the best RG3 since that one guy that left uh, <laughs> Baylor, but since it's RT3. Yeah, you know, with the like bad it. edge. Yeah. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to thank everybody for listening in, for, um, sure. for making the Red Herring Podcast possible. Um, this was episode five. Uh, look forward to episode six coming out soon. So uh, thank you guys. Be blessed. And uh, one more time, like always, Red out.